Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless, the podcast that teaches you how to live a healthier lifestyle that makes you and the planet happier. The world is changing quickly. Sometimes it feels like you can't keep up. I hear you. You want to make the world a better place. You care, but you don't know where to start. You know taking care of yourself is important, but how? I get it. I have a history of diving into a new endeavor, seeking perfection, and quickly feeling like I failed. Whether it was going vegan or learning how to recycle more, I wish I had guidance to keep me on track and not overwhelmed. I can't lie, the world needs your help. But it doesn't need you to be perfect. This podcast is here to help. Here we go. This episode is a super cut of some of the most helpful, important episodes about being vegan. Okay, so let's get into it. These are five tips to help you in going vegan, and I would say staying vegan, but they really don't have a lot to do with nutrition. Of course, some of them are food-related, but so many of the tips you hear about are making sure you get your protein or making sure you're getting your B12, and those are great, and I love talking about that too, but there's a lot to think about that can be helpful if you're going to not only try a plant-based diet, but lead a more vegan lifestyle that can be really helpful in starting that journey. So number one, I need to emphasize this bold underline, whether it's for this or starting a sustainability journey or really whatever it is in terms of making a change in your life, start where you are. There is no perfect moment. There is no invitation, there is no knock on your door that says, now is the right time, you have perfectly prepared. I wish, but it just doesn't work like that. Because inherently, you'll make it, you are ready. Now is the right time to start, as long as you have some of these other tools. Just really being willing to start wherever you are and not thinking you need some magical place to have arrived. What you need to start is making the decision, and only you can decide that. My second tip would definitely be realistic about what is possible. So I've talked about this so much on the podcast, but if you haven't heard or if you need a refresher, a few of these things that I have tried to adopt in my life or make a change, I have jumped into thinking I was going to be 100%, I'm a recovering perfectionist, and it has kind of blown up in my face a couple times in terms of the stress and the anxiety I've caused myself and the unrealistic expectations I've also put onto other people. So we need to be realistic about what's possible. Is it possible for you to go vegan overnight? Okay, yeah, maybe that is depending on your privilege, your location, all these other factors. But is it sustainable? If you go vegan overnight right now, would it be something that feels like you could keep it up or would you get overwhelmed because it was too much too fast and then just give up altogether? Unfortunately, a lot of people end up in that latter category because they weren't realistic about what they were going to be able to do when they set out to do it. This happens all the time, especially in health and wellness goals. Like the new year comes and everyone's like, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to completely change my life from top to bottom and it's going to happen in a week. But the reality is it's probably not. It's not how we operate. And we have so many other factors that are influencing what happens in our life and some of which we're not in control of. So be realistic about what's possible. And within that realism, know that you're going to mess up. 
You're going to mess up, whatever that means to you. There's going to be a moment where you feel like you didn't do something in the way you wanted to in becoming vegan or being vegan, and that's okay. That is 110% okay. It's inevitable. And in fact, it means that you just get to grow. It just means that you get to pause and refocus and reframe. So be realistic about what you can do and don't feel bad about that. Next, a really important one is plan ahead. Now, for some of you, this might be a nightmare. Many people don't like to plan ahead. This is something I do sometimes to a fault that is partly due to some anxiety, right? But planning ahead in the context of being vegan and staying vegan is a game changer because you are making a choice in your life if you are trying to, in some way, shape, or form, adopt a vegan lifestyle. And that's amazing. We should have started there, right? You're amazing for even considering this and listening to this episode. But if you're going to do that, you kind of need a plan. Because one of the biggest things that happens when people go vegan without a plan is they start showing up to all the things they would show up to in life normally without thinking about being worried about food, let's say. A restaurant, a work dinner, a happy hour, a wedding, whatever it is, and they don't have a plan for food. Now, this might seem like an inconvenience and a reason not to do it. I don't want to frame it that way. One, it becomes second nature when this is something that you have committed to in your life. And two, it's just how our society, at least in the U.S., where I am from and a lot of Western standard diets, you have to plan ahead because you're not living in a vegan world. Heck, you're not even living in a society that really teaches about nutrition or healthy meals. So planning ahead is a game changer. If you're going to a restaurant, see what they can make. See what they have so you don't show up and end up eating french fries and a side salad. It is the plight of vegans everywhere eventually, but just plan ahead. Are you going to a summer cookout with family? Make a big vegan dish that you normally would make, but just make it vegan. Don't tell anyone, and then you have food there, and maybe you'll even impress someone, and they'll ask about your meal. So make sure to plan ahead when it comes to food. This doesn't necessarily mean that you always have to have a six-course meal in a bag with you at all times, although that sounds pretty convenient. But I, as someone who can sometimes get hangry just anyway, but knowing that sometimes I might be kind of out of luck with vegan options in a pinch, I always have some sort of bar or some sort of snack with me while traveling, but even in my purse, because at least you know you'll get some substance. Number four is really important and really crucial for staying vegan, for going vegan, and also for your mental health. Find community. Find community that understands what you're talking about. And this is not a diss at anybody in your life who is not vegan or maybe doesn't understand or maybe doesn't care about this issue. But if you are going to sustain this choice you are making, you need to find other people who believe in it. It could be a Facebook group. It could be my Patreon. It could be 
a small meetup in town. Maybe if you live in a big city, there's more and more kind of like vegan clubs or whatever it is. It can be online, in person, whatever you're comfortable with. Maybe even just one friend that you know in your life. Have a community so you can ask questions and you can make jokes and also you can talk to about this world and all the things you're learning and all the things you care about. It makes you feel not alone, especially when you're in this to really make a difference. It feels less isolating when you know other people have made this choice too. Finally, a non-nutrition food related, but still number five in the non-nutrition related tips, do your research before going grocery shopping. This is kind of like plan ahead with eating out or going to potlucks or functions or whatever it is, but specifically when you are going to buy your own food in the beginning of this journey, do research at the stores in your area, figure out exactly what you're going to get, make a list. I mean, really do your research because the last thing you want to do is go to, maybe it's a store you don't even go to regularly, a section of the store you weren't familiar with, and then you stand there and you're overwhelmed because there's 14 different types of tofu and, you know, 75 different types of ice creams, which that sounds like my dream. But there are a lot of choices. It's a good problem to have, but it can be overwhelming. And sometimes you can be standing in the aisles thinking, is this vegan? Is this not? Doing research on your phone. If you can kind of go in with a game plan, it's going to make it less stressful. I know some people who already hate grocery shopping Don't make it worse and make it (laughs) being vegan's fault for grocery shopping being hard. It's just something you should do some research on so you feel fully prepared. Those are just five of many tips on how to go vegan and stay vegan, but I hope those first five were helpful and I will continue to share more. So today I want to talk about something I've been thinking about for a while and it keeps coming up on interview episodes with all the amazing people I've gotten to interview so far, so I figured I should talk about my own experience. If you've been listening to episodes in this podcast, you may have heard me talk with people about the angry vegan phase. And if you are not vegan, or if you're vegan and somehow missed that phase of the journey, let's talk about it a little bit. So, There is a kind of joke or stereotype or whatever you want to call it about an angry vegan phase or just an angry vegan that is a part of the journey when you become vegan. And I always thought that it was more of a joke or more to just make fun of people who were choosing a vegan lifestyle from people from the outside, whatever it was. But once I became vegan, I definitely fell into that phase very quickly. And I didn't realize how much anger was there until now that I feel like I have been out of that phase for long enough that I can look back and reflect and realize that what was happening. So if this sounds crazy to you, let me explain a little bit. When you become vegan, For whatever reason, there's a myriad reasons that you could become vegan. For me, it was for health. I started digging into health 
and decided to start there. And then it was because of the environment, I learned more. And then it was for animals. And then I realized that all of our systems are connected and it was connected to food too. So it was a domino effect. But when I first became vegan, and when I first started really digging into all of the ethical, in terms of animal or in terms of planet, reasons to be vegan, I was so upset. I was so upset. And I'm not saying I shouldn't have been, and that I shouldn't have been angry. Don't mistake my words here, because I think it's valid. But it is so alarming It's like someone took the veil off and I saw things so differently. I saw the horror that animals are put through. I saw the disastrous effect on the planet. I saw all of these things and at first I felt lied to. How could I have gotten through my entire life and only just arrived at this place with this knowledge? And it's not that the knowledge wasn't there. I had other people in my life who had been vegan. I am privileged and educated. That knowledge was always there. It wasn't not available to me. But once that switch flipped, there was no turning back. There was absolutely no turning back. I saw the world differently. These things I thought to be true were different. And it happened similarly in college, when I was learning about all these different systematic issues and different forms of oppression that I hadn't had knowledge of because of my privilege. And it made me angry and upset and want to change the world then too. But there's something different about this angry vegan phase. Because once you realize everything that's happening within those systems, you just want to fix it. And it's really easy to be disheartened. And it's really easy to be angry. How did I not know this food that is sold to us as healthy or as okay is garbage? And how are all of these systems of oppression present in our food? How are all of these things happening? It's so overwhelming and anger is often what comes up. I felt lied to, and I hate being lied to. felt like the world had lied. How did I not know? And beyond that, it was really hard to not talk about it and to not be upset about it all the time in the beginning. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that when you connect veganism to not just ethics, but food, you know, when you see it on your plate or see something else on someone else's plate, we eat multiple times a day. It's there all the time. So in the beginning, it felt like I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't not be thinking about it. I couldn't not be upset about it because it was constantly being reminded to me that I'm vegan now but I'm a vegan living in a non-vegan world and there's a lot of work to do and it made me so upset. It also made me really upset with people in my life. How could they not understand? How could they not hear me? And I totally discredited that they are on their own journey as well. I totally just 
push that aside. It took me however long to get there, but suddenly I wanted everyone in my life to get there at the exact same moment I did. And I think this is really common, but man, I wish someone would have warned me. I wish someone would have warned me that this phase is not just a joke, and I know I'm making light of it, but it's real. It is real to feel like you have learned all of this information, because oftentimes, and you can hear in most of the interviews, if not all, once you kind of dig into these topics, you go down a rabbit hole. So it's like you start watching all these documentaries, you start reading all these books, you start watching these videos on YouTube, and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to go vegan. I'm vegan. That's it. I watched What the Health, or I watched um, Dominion, or I watched whatever it was, and that's it. I'm vegan. And so once you go there, and once you dig in, it's like, boom, it's happened. You're done. There's no going back. And I truly believe when that switch has really been flipped, there is no going back unless you um, need to for reasons that we don't have to get into here now. But I just am trying to address the fact that there is still some privilege around being vegan. So I don't want people to feel bad if they had been vegan and had had to take a step back from that. But I digress. Angry vegan phase is so real. And I wish I could have had like support in that in the beginning because I felt crazy. I felt like, how am I emotional about food all the time? It made me want to cry to see meat on someone's plate. And I used to hunt and fish and eat chicken tenders like every day. And suddenly I was emotional about meat on someone's plate. How had this happened so fast? And I thought I was crazy. And it made me that made me even angrier. And then that phase is what I think a lot of people associate veganism with. Is that angry vegan that wants to tell you about why what's on your plate is wrong. Or wants to be kind of a Debbie Downer and tell you about how the planet is dying because of animal agriculture. Or any other connected issue. But what I realize now that I'm not in that phase is that that's not the phase people were reaching out to me for support in being vegan or being more plant-based or just asking for information. Nobody was interested when I was in that phase because it's a really unapproachable phase. And now let me reiterate. I think everything I felt was valid and I still feel all those things. I am still angry about climate change due to animal agriculture. I'm still angry about access to healthy food for populations in our country. I'm still angry about the ethical problems with big farming and pharmaceutical companies supplying drugs to all these animals. I mean, I could go on and on. I'm still angry that all these things are still happening. Do not get me wrong. But I don't lead with that all the time. Anger isn't bad. I don't think we should shy away from it. We should feel it and investigate why. But when I was in that phase, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with the anger I was feeling over these issues. So yeah, I was angry and I was vegan, but then what? 
And I think that becomes the problem is if you get stuck there, it feels like there's nothing you can do. It really feels like there's nothing you can do. That's actually when I first reached out to Claire Mann, who I interviewed a few episodes back, the vegan psychologist, because I felt insane. And I felt like nobody understood me, which was an even worse feeling that no one in my life really understood. And it wasn't their fault, but it was hard to explain. It was really hard to explain the pain that I was feeling for learning all these things. I was so angry at the world and angry at anybody who didn't understand why I was angry. And it was hard. It was really hard. But that's kind of a phase I think you have to go through. But maybe it would be easier if you can listen to an episode like this or read something or have people in your life for sure. But that awakening process doesn't come easy. And I think that happens with any topic. Whenever we wake up to the reality of something, it is jarring. It is completely jarring because it feels like everything we knew is not true. And that is scary as hell. That is so scary. And that's okay. That's okay to be scared. It's okay to be angry. But don't let that be the place you stop. Don't let that be the place you stop. Because one, it's a hard place to live in. It's not healthy for you. And if you are talking about being healthier and wanting to help other people and animals and the planet, you have to be coming from a healthy spot. And to sit in anger 24-7 does not do your body any good. Does not do your body any good. And two, it's really hard to talk to somebody who's angry all the time. I know it was hard for some of my friends and my family to talk to me about this because I was so upset. And again, valid, completely valid, but I couldn't even explain why I was upset. I couldn't fully even articulate it. And they're like, well, maybe something's wrong with you. You went vegan and you're angry. That can't be a good sign, but it's how it happens. It's what happens when you learn about these things. But when you get past that, when you're not angry all the time, it's more approachable. I have had so many more people approach me about being plant-based or recipes or any of these things now that I um, am not so scary to talk to you about these issues. It is intimidating to talk to someone who wants to yell at you why you should be vegan. That's scary. That's not a great approach. And I fully own that I went through that. Not that I'm not going to sugarcoat the realities or the problems or the real anger I still feel, but that's not all I feel. I also feel healthier. I also feel more connected to my body. I feel more connected to earth. I've learned about other systems of oppression that I would not have learned about. I'm still learning because of this journey. And I, those are the things I hope to highlight, not only with this podcast, but if someone reaches out to me, my newsletter, whatever it is, that's what I want to highlight. But this angry vegan phase is real. It is so real. So if you are going through that, 
right now, if this feels exactly how you're feeling right now, it's okay. It is okay that you're angry. It means that you're listening to the reality of the world and that is scary and that is probably making you angry. It's okay, but don't get caught there. Reach out to someone in your life. Find another vegan for support. Reach out to me. It will get better and easier. And if you are thinking about going vegan and you are now scared that this is going to happen, that is not my intention either. It is okay to be upset about something when it's really, really bad. That's a part of the process. It's a part of the journey. And now you have this information and you will know what you're feeling and why, and you will be better equipped than many of us have been as we go through that phase. I hope this helps. I hope that this is inspiring if you're in that place. And I hope it's validating if you went through this and feel bad about it. You can be angry. You should be mad as hell about these things. But you can also make sure that you keep moving through that and you channel it into action because that's what we need. Hey, hey, so today... I'm going to go through some of the most common questions I get as a vegan, and people who are vegan will probably be nodding along for most of these as they're pretty normal, but that's okay. They are common questions, and I am here to answer them for you so you can listen to them and not have to Google them or ask people. You can start here and see if this helps. So probably the number one Number one question to the point where it's kind of laughable or like a joke among vegans at this point because it is just so common. But if you are still wondering, here we go. Where do you get your protein? I still get this question. If you've listened to any of the interview episodes, you've probably heard some guests talk about this. So there seems to be a panic when you tell people that you're vegan, that you are somehow automatically protein deficient. And I am here to remind you that that is simply not true. So listen to this. I'm going to list off the places vegans and or plant-based people who maybe aren't totally vegan, but eat primary plant-based. This is where we get our protein. Lentils, tofu, peanut butter, Seitan, hummus, beans, almonds, tempeh, quinoa, sunflower seeds, soy milk, spinach, kale, broccoli, chickpeas, peanuts, avocado, and so many more. If you actually start to look at the protein content of different plant-based foods, there's a lot. It's truly all over. You can use some of my favorite apps like the Daily Dozen or Chronometer if you're really looking to kind of break down where you'd get that, but it's actually pretty easy. So where do you get your protein? Now we know. Another really common question or comment that vegans often get or hear is, aren't humans designed to eat meat? Shouldn't Humans be eating meat, aren't we naturally carnivores? And there's actually a lot of science and technology to show us that really we've primarily ate plants 
for thousands, millions, zillions, whatever. You get the idea. We've been eating plants for a long time. And of course, there are generations and generations and generations back that have been eating meat, but it's in really small doses. It wasn't an exclusive feast on meat. A lot of indigenous cultures around the world mostly thrived or thrive currently on a plant-based diet. So sorry to all those people that are eating paleo. It's not really a thing. And also it's not really good for you. I said what I said. So when humans started to eat more meat, some scientists were actually theorizing that maybe that is due to climate change. And now ironically, we're needing to eat less because of that climate change as well. So that is one that people kind of question, like, aren't we supposed to eat meat? And even there's a lot of talk about like, well, what about our teeth? We have pointy teeth or this, that, and the other thing. Our teeth aren't actually supposed to be that helpful for meat. We have molars to grind plants. We have intestines that are designed to digest plants much easier than meat, like, say, a lion's digestive system. So the answer is, are humans designed to eat meat? I can't conclusively say, but not exclusively and not as much as we are. This is one that is so silly, but I have to include because of how common it is, and I just need to lay this to rest. Vegan food is not inherently lacking in flavor. It's just not. If you've made vegan food and it doesn't have enough flavor, then you didn't add enough flavor. Just like meats that you season with plants or vegetables you season with plants, whatever it is, you just need to know how to cook better. Everything comes from plants. You can make delicious vegan food. That's all I'm going to say. I can't even go into that more because of course, of course you can. And if you need help and you need inspiration, of course, let me know because I don't want anyone to not be vegan because they think there won't be flavor. Another one that I think is really interesting that has come up before is why do you not care about humans or why do you just care about animals? So for me in the beginning, I definitely couldn't have answered this one. I couldn't have answered it. But the more I learned about the connection to the environment, so deforestation, water pollution, production of greenhouse gases, that was connection enough to show that it is more than just about animals. It is about humans and the world that we inhabit. And also, not just that, but... It's a human rights issue. Intensive factory farming is really, really hard on the workers. There are a lot of people misused and abused in these factory farms as employees, often people that are here with no documentation, people that are poor and have no other options. There are a lot of reasons to rethink the systems that are creating our food just as much as what we are using to create that food. So there are a lot of reasons that veganism can help beyond just the animals, which of course is amazing. And finally, one of the biggest ones that kind of can encompass a few different issues 
Is it hard to be vegan? So let me answer this with some caveats as we go. On the whole, for people who have access to affordable food, that is a huge thing. That is a privilege. It does not have to be hard. I know that it seems impossible at first if you have grown up with a standard Western diet, because where do you start? But actually, the switch can be a little easier than you've ever imagined. Take your all-time favorite meals, figure out how to make them vegan. You don't need to learn a million new things just because you're going vegan. You can slowly just go off of the things you would already eat. If you love bagels and cream cheese, get bagels and cream cheese that are vegan. The other thing about being vegan in 2021, or whenever you're listening to this, this day and age, it is truly never been easier when you have access to affordable food, because there are so many different substitutions for milks and cream cheese and, you know, any dairy product, any meat product, there is some sort of protein, plant-based protein product. It has never been easier in that way. You can buy rice, beans, noodles, you name it. You probably are already eating meals that would be pretty easy to convert into a veganized meal and you don't even realize it. There are so many ways to do so. Now, remember that caveat. This is when you have access to affordable food that is vegan and that is fresh. That is something that so, so, so many people in the United States and beyond around the world do not have access to. If you are listening and you have access to food that is vegan and fresh and that you can afford, please take advantage of that. Please take advantage of that because that is truly a gift. There are a lot of communities who are in food deserts who don't have access to that. And for them, it would be harder because it can be expensive when you live in places where expensive food like that is just outrageous. It is cheaper to buy fast food or convenience store stuff, and there is no judgment for that. But if you have access to this kind of food and can afford it, it is a total privilege And it can be easy and it can actually save you money in the long run. It might take a little bit of figuring that out, but I promise it can. And if you are listening to this and you're like, okay, some of those questions, that helped a little bit. I still need help though. That is one of the things I truly love doing is answering questions. I have an offer as a transformation coach 60-minute plant-based eating tips and tricks consultation. So we meet for an hour and I give a whole presentation and then you give me some information about specifically what you're looking for and I send up follow materials that are catered just to you. Or we can work together six weeks, 12 weeks, or six months as a health coach, as a transformation coach. We can throw other things in there too that you're looking to make changes on, whatever it is. If you're not ready for something like this and you listen to this podcast and you're like, yeah, okay, I'm interested, but I can't afford or don't want to work with someone yet or maybe at all, that's okay too. Places like Pinterest and really just Google can be your best friend in trying to transition to eating more plant-based 
If you're on social media, follow some accounts that totally inspire you to try new food, whatever it is to at least make you shift in that direction and think a little bit differently can make a huge impact for animals, for your health, and for the world. And maybe someday you'll be the one getting these questions. Okay, veganism and diet culture. Where do we even begin? There is a lot that could be talked about here. I imagine this is something I'll probably follow up on, but I think it's something really important and I haven't talked about much on here, so I'm excited to dive in. Let's actually start with defining some terms, some kind of like, what are we talking about here? First of all, when we talk about veganism, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Veganism and plant-based dieting often get used interchangeably, but they're actually quite different. Veganism is a philosophy and a lifestyle based on the belief that we shouldn't be exploiting or harming animals and that we certainly don't need them to live a happy and healthy life ourselves. Now, that will include eating a plant-based diet. So someone could eat a plant-based diet, a majority plant-based diet, and not necessarily see it as a part of a vegan lifestyle choice that they are making. They might not avoid animal products in clothing or in house products or in beauty products or whatever else it is. It's just maybe a choice for health, which is totally fine. So that is the first thing we have to keep in mind. Those terms get used interchangeably. I know I'm guilty of it, but they are actually two different things. Now, when we're talking about diet culture, many of you listening, if not every single one of you listening, have had some sort of interaction with diet culture in our world. In our world, we are constantly fed these ideas, these images. It's a culture. It's socially, medically encouraged. It's disordered eating. So I wanted to read a few of these bullet points I found from this amazing article that I'll share in the show notes about what diet culture is and how it presents itself in everyday situations. Of course, this list isn't exhaustive, but it is a few really good ones that I think we'll all kind of relate to. Diet culture is commenting to others that you haven't eaten all day, or you've only eaten a salad in a celebratory way. It's believing that you have the right to comment on someone else's body because you are, quote, concerned for their health. It is asking your friends and family if something makes you look fat. It's commenting on someone's appearance and using thinness as a qualifier for their beauty. It's justifying the foods you eat, especially in front of other people. For example, saying, I'll have this donut, but then I have to go to the gym after to burn off those calories. Those are a few of many examples that we could point to of the harmful diet culture in our world. Now, some of those statements might sound familiar. That is not a judgment. Some of them sound familiar to me. And also some of them in different contexts maybe make sense for you. And remember, these are just examples. These might not be as relevant to you as other things you've experienced as a part of harmful diet culture. You pretty much can't go into a bookstore, not even a gas station, without seeing a magazine or a headline about 
dieting, about the newest way to lose weight, the newest way to have a summer body, which reminder, if you have a body, it is a summer body. There are tons of messages for us to make us feel bad about what we're eating. So how does this relate to veganism? Unfortunately, veganism is not outside of the realm of feeling the effects of diet culture. There are, of course, people within the vegan movement that are perpetuating these harmful diet culture threads and themes. There are books and even some of the documentaries and many influencers that are vegan but talk about it in a way that is very restrictive and is very damaging. It is this idea that being vegan means you only eat lettuce and that you suddenly become the epitome of health. And oftentimes that's tied to body image. So what happens here? One, you don't have to be in tip-top health shape, whatever that means to you and whatever that looks like for your body, to be vegan. You can certainly find all the alternatives, all the fun snacks, all of those things. You can find vegan versions. Now, this isn't to say those foods are better or worse. Of course, my perspective is that if we have the privilege and access, nourishing our body with the most whole foods, plant-based options we can will make us feel best. But that doesn't mean that ice cream is bad or that chips are bad. When we think of these bad foods, we start to feel this guilt and this shame. And a lot of that comes in with the vegan community. If you're following these influencers that make you feel like anything outside of eating a smoothie is not being healthy enough or vegan enough, you might give up because that feels really, really shitty if you can't do it perfect, right? And really, I think a blend of whole foods that are nourishing your body and fun, processed vegan foods that are coming out is actually going to be like a more fun food experience, right? There are treats. There are cool things to try. It's up to you to decide what that looks like at the end of the day and What's most important is how you feel about your health and about your body, not about how you look. But that is a huge problem in the vegan community. Something that drives me absolutely nuts. Maybe this is a topic for another podcast someday. But this idea of ex-vegans, if you follow vegan accounts or YouTubers or whatever it is, there seems to be these... These people, these influencers, these past vegans, ex-vegans who come out and say they've gone back to eating animal products because they were not doing well, they weren't healthy, veganism was harming them. And oftentimes I would argue that it's really disordered eating. A lot of those influencers were eating raw and nothing but smoothies all day. And if that works for you, that's great. But oftentimes we need more than that. And so veganism or plant-based eating is blamed for bad health when really it's restrictive, disordered eating 
that we can attribute to diet culture that is often making people kind of change their ideas around being vegan. And I hate when veganism is blamed or a plant-based diet, see, even I do it, a plant-based diet is blamed for this kind of disordered eating. They're, They're two different things. This idea of making sure you are eating the most healthy foods or not eating anything processed or being upset when oil or salt comes into play can be kind of a red flag. If it's that restrictive, you might be setting yourself up for a slippery slope of avoiding more and more foods and really setting yourself up for some disordered eating. Now, of course, I'm not a doctor. I look at nutrition. I help people with plant-based nutrition. I am not trying to tell you that you are or aren't experiencing disordered eating, but there are some things to keep in mind if you are struggling with a plant-based diet or seeing damaging things within the vegan movement around diet culture, which is totally fair. I've been in some Facebook groups that are vegan-based that are kind of a nightmare scenario when it comes to people talking about bodies and health and what veganism means in all of that. So I love these suggestions from Taylor Wolfram about what do we do? So we know that this is a problem. Diet culture is a problem in the world and in veganism. How can we keep that in mind? How can we counteract that? How can we move through that? So where we started in the beginning of this episode, remembering that veganism is not a diet. If you are vegan, you are making a choice for the planet, for yourself, for the animals, and that is bigger than what is on your plate. That is many things. If you're eating plant-based, then that is also bigger than just salads, right? If you got into veganism for dieting or health reasons, like I did, that was totally where I started. That's okay, but know where you're at now. Are those still your same reasons? Are you more into food justice? I think if you are identifying as vegan, it is important to have knowledge about the other pillars of veganism beyond just food so it doesn't become an obsessive thing. It might be time to challenge some food rules that you have. Maybe there are things you learned from culture, from family, from people in your life that you need to let go of. Plant-based eating and veganism as a lifestyle can be really fun and enjoyable and really delicious. I have vegan dilly bars in my freezer right now. I mean, hello, it's 2022. There are so many fun options if you don't have any health conditions that you've worked with a doctor that there are some restrictions in your diet. Make sure to explore some of those other fun things. Do you have hangups about salt or sugar? Maybe you can make a list. Are there foods you avoid? And really ask yourself that hard question of why are you avoiding them? Do you have good reason? Do you have something from a doctor? Or is it just something you heard once that you shouldn't eat and you don't really know why? This is such good advice. This next one is, I've talked about this before and I love this. Unfollow and unsubscribe from problematic content. 
if you are following people on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest or I'm forgetting some million TikTok or whatever, unfollow, unsubscribe, tell diet culture to fuck off because we're not here for that anymore. And if you are following social media accounts or newsletters that make you feel shitty and promote restriction in ways that aren't helpful to you, maybe it's time to unfollow them. Maybe that's not helping you anymore. Maybe it was at one point, but this anti-diet culture, I think, is going to be really helpful in not only helping people at large have better relationships with food and health, but specifically in the vegan movement, I think it will make it easier for people to feel like they can be a part of this movement if it doesn't feel gross and restrictive. So on the flip side of that, that means follow positive and diverse vegan accounts. I mean, this is so important, positive and diverse. So you should be following people that are making you feel good about being vegan and having fun with it. They post a variety of food, not just green juice. And following diverse vegan accounts, I mean, there are so many amazing vegan activists vegan food bloggers that are vegans of color, vegans who are fat, disabled, LGBTQIA+, all of the above. Make sure you have a varied mix of vegans to follow. It is so, so important, and you will learn so much more. If you are really getting into this and want more community of people who are vegan or plant-based. There are really fun vegan Facebook groups. There are some Facebook groups, like I mentioned before, that are just kind of, they're just shit. They just, they're just are bad. And you can gauge that when looking at the posts. Is it about criticism? Is it making people feel bad because they're not perfect? Or are there really cool conversations about food and conversations about what fun new things are happening or about veganism in other ways that don't just talk about food. So it doesn't feel like that's all you're learning about. And this one's really important too. I love use evidence-based vegan nutrition resources. So if you are interested in nutrition, that's great. There are a lot of amazing benefits to eating plant-based nutrition-wise that you can totally be into and learn about. Make sure you're learning about it from trusted resources. Nutritionfacts.org is my go-to because it is such a reputable source. You can read all the sources. You can read all the studies this information is coming from. There's more out there. But make sure you're looking at resources that are not somebody on Instagram who says, eat kale every day and you'll live forever. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't eat kale, but you know what I mean. Setting boundaries is really important too. If you feel like you need to tell people, like when you talk about food in that way, it actually is really hard for me. Or when we talk about veganism as only being salads and strawberries, that's really hard for me. Like, share that maybe you don't want to talk about food in this way. Set those boundaries. You don't have to follow or talk with or converse with these conversations that are making you feel like shit. 
you can have those discussions with a trusted professional, with a nutritionist, with a doctor, but it doesn't have to be in a Facebook group. And in that vein, working with a professional is really, really important. So if you are trying to transition to a more sustainable overall plant-based lifestyle, that is my bread and vegan butter. That is what I love to do. I can totally help you with that. If you want a registered nutritionist, that's not me. But there are amazing people out there, amazing vegan nutritionists that are not going to promote harmful diet culture stereotypes. And if you think that you have some issues with disordered eating that you need more help with, talk to a doctor, talk to a therapist, because that's not something that someone on Instagram can necessarily solve for you. You know, following the best accounts is helpful. But if that's something you need to work out before kind of diving into more nutrition and more plant-based eating, that's okay too. That's really important to figure out where those things are coming from. At the end of the day, remember that you are in charge of your body and you need to make the decisions that best fit where your health goals, where your life goals, whatever works for you. If you are feeling really restricted and confined in the vegan movement, eating plant-based, I am here to remind you that you can open up that world. It can be much more exciting and it doesn't have to feel bad. Do what feels best for you. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode of Consciously Clueless. And for that, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or tag me and share in social media. Share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. To get more resources, influence on topics covered, and bonus content, join the Consciously Clueless community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash consciouslycarly. And don't forget, if you need help living more consciously, let's work together. Email me today. See you next Wednesday for a new episode. This podcast is supported by all the brands that I love and that I get to work with. Considering how much I talk about the fact that we should be buying less, you know if I'm promoting a brand, it means I use it myself and I love it. Sometimes the stars align and I score discount codes for the brands that I love. If you go to consciouslycarly.com slash shop, you'll find discount codes for brands like Parade that sell sustainable underwear, Terraseed that is vegan vitamins, Joy selling sustainable plant-based milk alternatives, plain products that shows a new way to provide the world a shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more by using returnable, recyclable containers. There is so much on that page of all the brands that support this podcast and support the work I do. So don't forget to go to consciouslycarly.com slash shop to check all of that out. Mm-hmm.